Okay, let's take our Bibles out. We're going to turn to the book of Ephesians. find ourselves in chapter 1 and verses 5 and 6. It says, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. You know, I remember when I was in college, there was a young family. They had adopted one child. They were looking to adopt another child at the time that that we were familiar with them a little bit. Uh, But their adoptions were unique because the children that they tried to adopt were all special needs children. And they were also from other cultures. Uh, If I remember correctly, uh, one of I think it was the first one that they had adopted was from Cambodia. And I can't remember if the next one that they were looking to adopt was from Cambodia or, or Korea. At any rate, uh, we talked to them a little bit about it and, and just kind of got to see a little bit of what their experience was like. And, you know, Cambodia, some of these other cultures, there were cultures where if you were special needs, you were discarded, you were kind of set aside, and your culture rejected you. And so I thought it was really neat that rather than just trying to find a, a child that was from their own culture that looked like they would just fit kind of hand and glove right in with their family and that kind of stuff, that they were actually looking to adopt and were adopting outside of their culture. And then beyond that, they were even going harder. They were adopting children that would specifically be a struggle and bring hardships onto their families. Children that, though their family would opt not to go through that hardship these people would invite that hardship into their families and, of course, uh, receive a much greater blessing for it. As it always, as we uh, step into those kinds of situations and put the needs of others above ourselves, as we end up blessed more than the people even that we serve. At any rate, these people made that decision to reach out and to adopt children from these other cultures with special needs. I just thought that was just such a neat thing. But then I was surprised by the price that had to be paid and the hoops that you had to jump through in order to get this child to be part of your family. Here I'm thinking, okay, they're in a culture, it's so sad, but they're in a culture that actually doesn't want them, that is rejecting them. And here's another family that just really wants them and they want to bring them into their home and they want to love them and they want to care for them and they want to provide for them and and all these things. And you think, boy, that's a slam dunk. They don't want them. They do want them. Get those two people together. You got it. Absolutely not the case. Because I remember talking to uh, Rob one time. He was the the father in that home and the husband. and, and, And he said, you know what the problem is? He said, they know we want them. And so, every person that has anything to do with signing a paper to release that child or any person along the path that that process has to go through wants you to pay them. They don't care at all about that child, but they want to get paid. And so he said it's quite a process to go through. And But you know what? It was so cool to see that here's somebody that not only wants that child, they will pay these exorbitant prices. They will go through, jump through all the hoops. They will get the lawyers involved to, to deal with whatever they got to deal with. And it was a long process for them to end, finally end up with that child, but they did end up with that child. And they got adopted into their family. And they got to experience the love and the acceptance that they should be able to feel. And you know what? That's, that's exactly the word that God is using 
to describe our relationship to Him, to describe what He, uh, the way He feels about us, to describe what He is accomplishing in our lives by making us His His children, by adopting us. We're kind of doubly children of God if you think about it, because I think of oh Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter three, and He tells Nicodemus, "And except you be born again, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven." And so recognizing that we got to be born into God's family with a spiritual birth. Peter also talks about that in one of his epistles. The Gospel of John in chapter 1 talks about that a little bit. And so we're, we're, we're born into the family of God. But not only are we born into the family of God, the Bible also says that we are adopted into the family of God. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, and so the Bible in, in the book of Galatians, in the book of Romans, in the book of Ephesians, keeps talking about this relationship that we have with God, that we're made part of His family by adoption. And that's what we want to consider this morning, is that all of us as children of God are adopted. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are adopted into God's family. We're going to see five different characteristics of this adoption that we experience through Jesus Christ. The first of these characteristics is that our adoption is planned. It's not accidental. And that's what you know what any adoption, when you look at it, is definitely planned, at least at some point. Adoption does not just take place. It, it takes a lot of effort. I know I have a niece that's adopted a few kids from the Democratic Republic of the Congo and and when you look at their experience, I just remember they had so many different things that they had to go through, trips that they took to go down there, and papers to sign, and confusion about where they're at in the process, and when are the kids actually theirs, and there was a lot, a lot that had to happen to make that finally uh, happen, and for those children to be theirs and part of their home and family. Well, you know what? That's what God is telling us that He was willing to do for us. It's actually the main point of this passage right here is actually not so much God's adoption, that's what He predestined us to, but the main focus of the package is actually the predestination that He talks about right before it. Because He says, He predestined us, in verse 5, for adoption to Himself. He predestined us. The word means that He marked out beforehand, that He pre-planned. It's just it's what we've already started talking about. If you back up another verse back in verse 4, it says in verse 4, even as He chose us, remember last week we talked about how He chose us in Him, in Christ, before the foundations of the world. And so this is God saying, look, this is, this is my choice. I planned this ahead. I chose you from before the foundation of the world. I predestined you to this point to be adopted as my child. I chose you. You know, the Bible makes it very clear as we look through the rest of this passage that God is He's emphasizing this. In fact, uh, the whole passage, the larger passage, can kind of uh, be outlined by 
three different three the three Greek participles within the passage. In the beginning, what we looked at last week, that he blessed us. And then this week we're looking at the second one, which is he predestined us. And then coming up a little bit farther in the passage, it talks about him making known to us. And so this is the really the the highlight of this passage is the fact that God chose us. That in His grace, in His kindness toward us, He chose us to be His in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we're seeing the manifold grace of God poured out into our lives in this way. And He makes no bones about it. That He's doing this according to His good pleasure, according to His will. It's His choice. You start off in verse 4, it said He chose us. Verse 5 says He predestined us. Verse 9, He says, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. He's saying that God did this according to His purpose. This is His will that is being fulfilled. And to cap it off in verse 11, He says, in Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. And so over and over through this passage, it's talking about our relationship with God. And God is saying, look, this didn't happen according to your will. This happened according to my will. I chose you. I adopted you. Uh, In fact, God is doing everything within this passage. This is His plan. It's not my plan. It's not your plan. When I look back at the picture of what adoption is, and I think of the people that I know that have gone through this amazing process of to bring a child into their family, you know whose choice it is? It's the parents. The parents make the choice to get involved in that kind of a process to bring a child into their house. The parents get involved in deciding what child they're going to choose or pick. Or Very little that happens in it happens according to the will of the child. It's the will of the parents. And you know what? That's the same thing that we see in God. God is saying, look, I chose you from before the foundations of the world. You know, I don't know about you, but I've struggled with that from time to time. I've thought, well, didn't I choose God? Didn't There's a time in my life where I can look and I very clearly chose to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And our will definitely comes into the picture at some point. It works alongside of God's will, but but God's but that's because of God's will. He's doing it. In chapter 2, we're going to see that, uh, that even faith is a gift of God that He gave to us. And that's part of the fulfillment and the completion of God's will as we get to exercise faith, but that faith was given to us by God as, as a gift from Him. You know, the Bible makes it very clear all throughout that, that it is according to God's will. It's God's determination, God's predestination, God... And, and, and you know, we, we try to figure out how that works. I don't know that we all, I don't know that we can completely. In fact, I look at the book of Romans from chapters 9 through 11. The Apostle Paul deals extensively with this idea of election and God being the one that chooses. And it's a deep passage. And you wrestle with some issues when you read through that passage. But you know what? You come to the end of it and the Apostle Paul just says, who has known the mind of the Lord? I think the Apostle Paul, after dealing with it for three chapters, is having trouble getting his own mind around it, is saying, man, the wisdom and the knowledge of God are just amazing. And they're, they're above our pay grade. And so I don't know that we can completely get an understanding completely of how this works, but I will tell you this, 
The Bible makes it very clear that the emphasis is on it's God's doing. It's His will. It's His choice. You know, sometimes we come along and we say, well, what about this idea of foreknowledge? God knows the end from the beginning, and He absolutely does. He's an eternal being, but He already knows if you're going to choose Him or not, so He chose everybody that's going to choose Him. It can't be that. Because if that's the case, then it's based on my choice. God just knows ahead of time what my choice is going to be, and so He makes His choice determined by my choice. And that, that just is absolutely the opposite of what all these passages stress. If anything, it would have to go the other way. And I'd have to recognize that the only reason I have an ability to make any choice at all is because God has already chosen me. He's predestined me. There's no goodness within me that would make me desire Him. But there's completely something gracious enough in Him that He would choose me. And I'm so thankful for that. So our adoption is planned. God, from the foundation of the world, already chose us, predestined us, and we're as good as there. Now, not only is our adoption planned, our adoption is also personal. It's personal because notice what it says. It says He predestined us for adoption to Himself. I love that. God is not just trying to make like good people and bad people in the world or, or different categories of people or he's not even it's not even looked at as like an army. It's looked at as like you know what it's looked at like? It's looked like a family. It says that he chose us, he predestined us for adoption, to be to be his children to himself. That's what he was doing in Jesus Christ. He sent his own son into this world to make us sons, to draw us to himself. And that's what he wants. He wants us to love him. He wants us to look at him as our father. He wants us to be with him. You know, I think of 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. I've always loved how that's worded. And it's talking about the suffering that Christ went through us and why He did that. And in 1 Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, that He might bring us to God. That's what God was accomplishing through all this. Back before the foundations of the world... He looked at us and said, I want them to come to me. I want them to be mine. I'm gonna... Boy, it's just an awesome thought. You see, as God is making us part of His family, it's not an impersonal thing. Could you? If you were making a child part of your family, would it be impersonal to you? Could you really kind of not care one way or the other which kid you got or which way this went? No, it would be personal. And that's the way it is with God. As well. Well, not only is it personal, but it's also powerful. It's powerful. And the reason that I say that is because it says that he adopts, adopted us as sons. As sons in a couple different places within Ephesians chapter 1. And the reason it points that out is because the sons is, is in the culture, that was who inherited the father's position, inherited the father's wealth, inherited the, the family. Well, that's what he says about all of us in this passage, is that we're, inher- uh, we're adopted as sons. And you know what, back in that uh, culture, in the Roman culture, when you were adopted into the family, you had full rights as a son. 
And you had the full benefit of any other son that was born into that family as well. And, and that's exactly what's happening. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are adopted into God's family. We have the full rights as sons. We're not brought into the family as, as beggars. We're not brought into the family as in, oh, we're going to uh, bring this person in to give them a little bit of a, uh, some of the shadow of our greatness as a family. We're brought into this family as full rights as children of God. This brings with it a great future. It brings with it a great inheritance. It brings with it the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that comes into our life as a, that earnest and down payment that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks also. Um, this just brings the full rights as children of God. You're welcomed and you're wanted and you were chosen from before the foundation of the world. Well, not only is it powerful... But also our adoption is pleasurable. He says toward the end of verse 5, he says according to the purpose of his will. I don't think uh, that's necessarily the best translation of it. And In fact, I think the King James talks about it being according to his good pleasure. And that's actually a little more accurate. The original language means God's pleasure. That this is what he wants. This is what he desires. This is, this is according to, as we've already emphasized the fact that this is according to his will. It's to his pleasure. This is what he wants. This is what he desires. You know, that's pretty awesome when you think about it. Because there's been a lot of times when I've thought about my salvation and I think how fortunate I am to be forgiven of my sins, how fortunate I am to have an eternal home in heaven, how fortunate I am to not have to pay the price eternally for my, for my wickedness. And you know what? When I focus on what I've done wrong, I can get the idea that God's going to let me go to heaven, but somewhat reluctantly. But nothing could be farther from the truth. I only get to go to heaven. Why? Because of the great... Love, wherein He loved us. Because God loved me and gave Him His Son for me. Because God desires me. Why? There's nothing desirable in me. I don't, but that's the grace of God. That's the amazing grace of God. It's not because I'm worthy of any of these things. It's because God is just gracious. God is just loving. That's... That's, that's who He is. And, and because He is gracious and because He is loving, not only is He allowing me in, He wants me in. It's His pleasure to have us as His children. God's happy with that. And you know, that makes sense when I think about it from my perspective as a father. Because when I think back, I remember years ago, after I started having children, one day I got kind of a Kind of a light bulb turned on about my relationship with God the Father because I saw what my relationship toward my children was like as a father. Because a lot of times we kind of can get religious, right? So we start to try to do things or think about, you know, God wants us to act this way and God wants us to behave this way and He wants us doing these things and so we better do those things. And I remember one time I thought, you know, I want my children to be good children. I want them to grow up to be productive adults. I want them to be people that other people like to have around, right? I, I remember seeing a title even somewhere once that said, uh, raising children that other people like. And that's, that's a good thing. 
I want my children to be a benefit. And as I've watched my children grow up and I see them get involved in their, in their families and in their communities and in their churches and, and, and I see the way uh, that they take on responsibilities within their lives and all these things, then that makes me proud. I'm, I'm thankful for that. I want them to be a, a blessing and a benefit to other people. But you know what? I did not have those children, first of all, to be a blessing to anybody else. I had those children. We made the decision to have these children because we wanted them. Because we wanted a family. Because we wanted the blessing of raising children. And and we wanted those moments where we're proud of them. And we wanted the love that we'd both give to them and receive for ourselves. You see, we didn't have them primarily to be a blessing to the world, though we want that. We had them because we wanted them. And I just remember thinking about that, that look, God wants me to be a blessing to my neighbors. He wants me to love my neighbors and, and He wants me to be a blessing to my church and He wants me to be a blessing to even to my enemies. He, he wants me to be a lot of things in this world. But, but you know what? As a father, first, you know what He just really wants? He wants me. He's doing this according to His pleasure. He gets pleasure out of loving us. You know, Jesus mentioned that in Luke chapter 12 and verse 32. It says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is God's good pleasure. This is what He wants to do to give you the kingdom. We already read Romans 8.15, but I'd like to go back to it. He says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. He's saying, look, you've been brought into God's family, but not as a slave. You're brought into God's family as a child. In fact, the spirit within us cries out, Abba, Father. The, that word, that term Abba, the closest equivalent that we have for it in the English language is like Daddy or Papa. You know, when I was raising my children, one thing they were never allowed to call me is Greg. I got no problem with my name, but I'm more than that to them. And I love to hear my children call me dad. I love to hear, now I love to hear my, my grandchildren. Well, different ones call me different things. They call me grandpa. They call me papa. I love that. I love that. And he says that's the same, that's the relationship that we have with God. God is, is pleasured in our relationship with Him. He loves to hear us call Him daddy. He loves to hear us call Him papa. That's the kind of intimacy, the pleasure that is within this adopted relationship. And, you know, I remember one time uh, years ago reading about this issue and they were talking about one little child that was adopted into a family and, a, and another, uh, he was getting picked on kind of by some other kids that, that weren't adopted by their families that were born into their families. And, and the outcome, how somebody helped him out with it was they finally pointed out to him, they said, look, um, you know what, your, your, your parents chose you theirs are stuck with them. <laughs> and Not that anybody's stuck with them, but you know what? That's the point. Here's in all this, God chose us because of the great love, because of the greatness of His grace. And that brings us to our last point is that our adoption is praiseworthy. Because that's, that's where He ends in this, in this verse, in verse 6. It says, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise 
of His glorious grace. And that's what, remember the whole passage started that way about how we, He was blessing God for the blessings that we receive. That we've, we've pointed out that He's repeated over and over that it was a, um, to, the per, to the praise of His glory. It repeats that several times. In fact, it says to the praise of His glorious grace in verse 6. If we look down into verse 12, it says to the praise of His glory in verse 14. To the praise of His glory is how that verse ends as well. And so, you cannot think about these issues and what God has done in our life by choosing us ahead of time and adopting us as His children without realizing that this is just praiseworthy. This is something to be celebrated. This is something that if it just doesn't make you excited, if it just doesn't make you feel very close and accepted and desired by God, then we're missing the point altogether. Because the point of this whole passage is that God, in the greatness of His grace, marked you out ahead of time and chose you for Himself and drew you to Himself and adopted you as a child and is enjoying you as that child. And that's what stands out as we look in this passage. In fact, notice, notice in verses 6-8. through eight. In verses 6-8 through eight it says, "...to the praise of His glorious grace." So it brings it up once there. "...with which He has blessed us in the beloved." And then skip down toward the end of verse 7. It says, uh, in fact, I'll just read the whole of verse 7. "...in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace." So He's adopted us to the praise of His glorious grace. He's forgiven us according to the riches of of His grace. Now, notice also there's one more word in here that we need to acknowledge as the word grace because it doesn't show up that way in our English language. It's the word blessed. As we look in verse 6, it says, to the praise of His glorious grace which, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Remember, last week we looked at the three words that are translated blessed in uh, verses 3 and 4. And those were all the same word. This is a different word. The word blessed in this passage is actually the word grace. In the Greek language, the word grace, we get our word grace from the word charis. In verse, the beginning of verse 6 and the very last word in verse 7, that word grace is a feminine noun form of the word charis. It's, it's grace. It's the noun form. But in verse 6, it says, with which He has blessed us. That is the same word. It's the word charis, but it's in the form of a verb. And so basically what this is saying is, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has graced us. And so the whole emphasis, the whole focus is God's grace. What is God's grace? It's God's good pleasure. His goodness applied to our lives. That's what His grace is. That God is predisposed to like us. He's predisposed to be accepting of us. He's predisposed to do for our good. Now, notice, we've got to notice one more thing in this passage, in these verses. Both the times that he mentions grace are followed by a little phrase. And in verse 6, the phrase that we see is, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. So as soon as he mentions the grace of God to the praise of His glorious grace, he mentions that it's that grace with which God has blessed us. 
And then when you look down at the end of chapter or verse 7, it says, according to the riches of His grace, and then another little phrase, which He lavished upon us. So the point that He's making is all that He is doing for us here is completely because of the grace of God in our lives. Why is God pleased with us, take pleasure with us as His children? Why did He mark us out ahead of time? Why did He... Why is it personal to Him? Is because of His grace. And God just took that grace and He has graced us with that grace. He's blessed us with that grace. He's lavished that grace upon us. You see, we can find ourselves within the family of God because God is so gracious that He predestined us and chose us to be adopted as His children. And that's why we get the blessings of being within the family of God.